Hey everyone, it's Dario Kristen with AfterBuzz TV. Did you know that TrueCar.com is changing car buying experiences forever? Yes, everyday TrueCar users receive negotiation-free guaranteed savings. Although some features are not available in all states, but it's okay. In the first three months of this year, over 126,000 cars were sold by the TrueCar certified dealer network. TrueCar users save an average of $3,078 off of MSRP. When you're ready to buy a car, just follow these easy steps. It's just three of them. First, you go to TrueCar.com and find out what other people pay for the car you're looking for. Then register at TrueCar.com to see upfront pricing information and lock in your savings. The third step is so simple: just print out your true savings certificate and take it to the TrueCar certified dealer for a better, hassle-free car buying experience overall. Remember, everyday TrueCar users receive negotiation-free guaranteed savings. Save time, save your money, and never overpay. Visit TrueCar.com today. That's TrueCar.com. Tuning into the online broadcast network, AfterBuzz TV. Over 20 million weekly downloads from over 200 countries, and your number one source in after-show entertainment. AfterBuzz TV, the destination for TV superfans, producing aftershows for over 300 of your favorite TV shows, interviewing celebrities and showrunners, and bringing you behind-the-scenes exclusives. All thanks to E Entertainment's Maria Menounos, producer Kevin Undergaro, and internet leader Akamai. Now, let the buzz begin. Hello, everyone. Wow. <laughs> This is the theme song from The Omen. Yep. It is quite creepy because uh, this episode of Extent was rather creepy in a certain way. Yeah, I'd say, yeah. yeah I'd agree. It had a lot of like crazy uh, evil elements to it. Yeah, it was uncomfortable. Yeah. Evil children. Let's go with that. <laughs> so we're your host. I'm Adrian Snow, and I'm with the awesome Tori Miller. Oh, shucks. Uh, Charlie Barons and Monis Rose couldn't be with us tonight yet again, so we are happy to take over. Oh yeah, yet again. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so just to start off, uh, the episode this night was called "Care and Feeding," and the second episode was "Pack of Cards." Mm-hmm. Episode nine and ten ran consecutively. Yes, yet again. Um, Movie two special hours. week. Yeah, great, great. So, what do you think of <laughs> <laughs> the, the two hours of Extant tonight? Um, I thought it was. It had a lot of like super secret intrigue stuff mm-hmm. where it was like, oh my gosh, let's plant some seeds and talk about some things. Yeah. Um, I spent most of the time really super wanting to see what the offspring look like. I, I just I wanted like I don't know just a small fragment of an image or like something I could piece together in my mind. Um, I mean, it's yeah. apparently continuously growing, so I assume by the time that we see it, it's going to be like a, an adult, or it'll look like some. It'll probably look like Marcus or something, or someone that we've seen before. Yeah. Um, but like that's that's literally what I spent the whole episode thinking. Just like show me the alien, show me the alien. <laughs> I had the similar feeling of just kind of, kind of getting tired of the TARDIS sound and the weird, like spectacle eyes, and just wanted to be like, just finally, please 
show me what this alien looks like. So I finally have an idea. So yeah, my imagination isn't running wild. I mean, cool that my imagination's running wild. Right. But I, that I should be focusing on other things that are happening in the episode, not just my frustration. <laughs> so on uh, that note, I guess we should go ahead and start off with the first topic of the night, which yeah. is Molly's escape mm-hmm. from the basement. And do you want to fill us in a little bit on that? Yeah. So uh, Molly and Krieger are arguing in the basement over the bodies of the military people who essentially killed each other at the command of the baby uh, or the offspring. Yeah. I'll call it from from here on out. Um, and so Molly is angry at Krieger because he tried to kill it. Mm-hmm. Uh and so Krieger is super determined to erase this this offspring from the face of the earth because he sees it as the ultimate evil. Mm-hmm. Um, and so while he's doing that, uh, he decides that the best solution is to lock Molly down into the containment area so that he can go and kill it because he knows that as long as she's around, she's going to try to stop him. Yeah. I felt like that went on for about 30 minutes too long. Um, with her in the elevator escape. and trying to escape. And the flashbacks. I got the flashbacks, which were cool, but right. I just felt like, especially when you knew that once Yasumoto became aware mm-hmm. of what was going on, yeah, it should have gone a lot faster. What did you think? Um, I mean, I felt like they needed it to kind of like breathe because there was so much other stuff going on at the same time. Um, so they... I, they wanted all of these different parties to converge at the end of the the arc. And yeah. so I felt like, yeah, you needed it to kind of hang out. And I mean, yes, the elevator part was really, um, it was a little overdrawn. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, like it was where it needed to be at the time. I suppose. <laughs> I mean, my overall feeling this episode or these episodes was just, this is all taking a very long time. Right. I don't understand why. I don't understand why I can feel the two hours. You know, and when you go right. to a movie or even when you're just watching a TV show for that's only running 30 minutes, 45 minutes, mm-hmm. you don't feel it. But the whole night I was like, I can feel that this is taking forever and they're right. stretching out the most mundane information. <laughs> I don't know. Um, well, I think and this is this is something that I had realized in the middle of the episode um it was during the one of the odin ethan parts mm-hmm. um but like so this the show has a, a tendency to do a really big build up and then like just to stay at wherever it was yeah. um and i think that's the thing is that like sometimes it feels like they're they're building towards something but then there's not a a, a sharp payoff so it's kind of like, oh my gosh, something's going to happen. Something's going to happen. Well, maybe. Maybe. And then they cut to yeah. something else. Um, and so I think that's why you feel it is because you don't feel like it's necessarily moving where you want it to go mm-hmm. or you think that it should because essentially they are um, sending you up a hill yeah. and then the hill leads to a plateau as opposed to a downhill. See, you can do that with like a soap opera. Right. You know, if I'm watching a daytime soap, I'm watching Days of Our Lives, 
take your sweet, precious time getting Sammy and EJ to get together, because I know they're going to break up about a month after you get them together, and then I'm going to wait another five years to see them together. But when I'm seeing something on primetime, and it's got all these great producers, and the writing's supposed to be fantastic, and it's Mm -hmm. not, then I get a little frustrated. It's like, okay, give me something to kind of chew on, or add something new in this episode that I can kind of chew on right? Um, that isn't so predictable or something that I, you know, don't already know. Yeah. And I feel like this episode was kind of just like, I know everything that you're you're pretty much doing right now. <laughs> um, though, without the super long escape sequence, you wouldn't have got the uh, Batman Arkham Asylum style uh, contact lenses. Um, <laughs> so I feel like that made the episode. If they could have had the whole episode in that vision, <laughs> I'd have been like, awesome. This is this is how I want to live my life from now on. I when I saw those, I immediately thought I was like, "Oh my gosh, they have Terminator contacts! It's so cool!" It's like, choo, 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 choo. Right. target, no target, no target. Um, yeah, that was cool. And then I guess with the whole Molly's escape, the the main point it served was to give you a little bit more backstory on why it's so important for to her for her to have this baby yes. in her life because we find out that when she was in the car accident with Marcus that. She was pregnant at the time, which is not something I think we knew before. Um, she was pregnant. Did you know? Uh, yes, it was mentioned earlier. Like you didn't get to see it, and it's all its gut wrenching, heart tearing uh, yeah. glory. But like um, they had mentioned it kind of offhand that like yeah, she was pregnant, and she lost both Marcus and the baby in that crash. But you oh. never got to really see it or feel the effects of it. You just kind of like it was mentioned offhand because I felt like. For me, up until this point, I had always assumed that she was just infertile and that she'd always struggled. And she had been pregnant once but lost it just because she's not a very fertile woman. That right. she, Her body couldn't sustain it. Yeah. I didn't. So seeing it now and seeing that she was pretty far along in her pregnancy mm-hmm. when she lost the baby, it made me kind of understand why she was so determined. Yeah. It, I mean, it kind of made me understand why she was so determined to, to find this baby. Right. Well, like, I felt like that could have been delivered a little earlier in the mm-hmm. series. Um, cause then it would have made everything up till now, uh, it would have given it a little more emotional context. Yeah. Um, because now it's like, well, yeah, she's been on this baby craze for a little while and you kind of understand cause it's been mentioned and, you know, it's the, the first time she's had a chance to have an actual baby and it's mm-hmm. her baby. But like, you didn't really have the full grasp of like, how much she had lost beforehand. Yeah. You know, just seeing her there, um, <laughs> seeing her there laying on the gurney and like, like crying, seeing her dead boyfriend, husband, lover mm-hmm. on the ground and then having this, the news broken to her about her baby. It's just like, all right, I totally understand why she is yeah. doing, I mean, why she's going to such lengths for it. Yeah. I, I mean, it definitely could have been delivered sooner. Probably, like, maybe the third episode instead yeah. of the ninth episode. Right. Because um, then you kind of just have a better context of why she's so determined and why this baby... I mean, of, of course, you know, they kind of play on that type of what's supposed to be, like, an inherent thing that, you know, if you have a baby as a mother, you, you do want to kind of protect it. Yeah. Even if it is alien spawn, you know? Right. Uh, sure. Uh, <laughs> so... I kind of got it at that point, but in any case, just to to move it along, that right. I think that's what Molly's escape served to do. 
So yeah. once she did, I mean, because technically she didn't actually escape. She was running, and then they were like, you should actually come with us. We're not right. going to hurt you. We have your family. <laughs> so I was like, um, oh, okay, well, that's kind of anticlimactic, because she's just going to go with this guy. Yeah. find her um, family. That was a little bothersome uh, for me, because it was like, all right, she's finally kind of striking out on her own. Like, up until now, she's really been relying on everyone else. Mm-hmm. Um and then I was like, all right, she's going to do something herself and she's finally going to, you know, be yeah. uh, all that she can be in the army, et cetera. <laughs> um, and then it's like, nope, you're going to seek another man's help. Yeah. Um, and so that like that bothers me as like someone who is super into like strong female characters. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't like that every at every turn she has to rely on, like it's her only option is to yeah. rely on these these men. There are some racial and gender undertones that when I'm watching the show sometimes bothers me. And in particular, I think I mentioned a few episodes back, I really don't like that sometimes they play into female stereotypes. Right. There's that one episode where everyone thought Molly was crazy mm-hmm. and then Sam was like a backstabbing liar and then Julie was, you know, this needy, like it seemed like she was in love with John type of thing. Right. And I was like, why do you have to play into these stereotypes with these women? Yeah. Especially when it's supposed to be a show where the woman is the lead and it's all about, you know, her figuring the stuff out. Yeah. I feel like they kind of backtrack when they go down that route. Right. So yeah, to have her just, and she's kind of gullible in that way. You know, she follows this man to Yasumoto. Right. Or well, she does tie him up and then Yasumoto calls and whatever. Yeah. But still, she does fall into it. And then later on when um, she's going to find the alien kid, she does just kind of follow this doctor and not really suspect anything. Even when she yeah. sees the trucks go by. First off, for me, I would have been like, that's that's something going on over there. There are trucks like, going past. They're the same truck that I have. Right. But, um, so I, I think the writers could do better. I mean, it's kind of late now. But uh, <laughs> with in terms of making her so gullible and so... Easy, easy to trust these right. men. Um, yeah, but I mean, you, essentially it served to just kind of move the story along. I yeah. mean, as I said, it, it was everything that happened in this episode was just to get everyone in the same spot being those cabins. Yeah. Um, and so uh, she never would have gotten there if not for Yasumoto helping her do that. And mm-hmm. so it was just, it was a means to an end. Yeah. You know. And I guess that's just kind of I mean, always been my my issue with the show is that they just kind of do stuff to get from point A to B. Yeah, and it's so not creative how they do it. It's just kind of like, all right, well, what's the easiest way to do this? Let's just make it so that she has to follow them. And they find out about Yasumoto, but it's not in a cool way at all. Right. And John's still in the dark about Yasumoto. I do like that she was really, uh, like, she didn't just take Yasumoto at face value. Like, uh, she had to go with his plan because it was an imperative. But, like, Mm -hmm. when she met him, she was at, she showed legitimate anger and, like, she argued her points and stuff. So I thought that was good that she wasn't just like, okay, cool, let's do this. Yeah. You know, it was like, I'm going to do this because I have to and I have my reservations and I hate your face. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. So. Um, oh, Molly. But yeah. So that, I mean, that takes us to... Uh, sparks the, and the, the alien. The sparks and the alien. Yeah. Um, so, so tell us about that. Well, so the alien, the last we saw the alien, it's was shot or 
it had the image of Molly being shot by Sparks. And then it turned into a little version of Katie. Katie. And from there, they kind of brainwashed Sparks into thinking that if he helps Alien, then he can have Katie back. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, it's such an interesting thing that it does, how it plays on people's uh, emotions like that. Yeah. And so by doing that, it uh, gets Sparks to take it to this kind of hidden away cabin that I guess Sparks used to go to with his daughter and his family in the mm-hmm. past. And and from there, kind of, that's where everyone eventually convenes and it's able to kind of come up with its master plan of using Molly to do something yes. with something in space. <laughs> that's that's pretty much what I got from uh, that. Well, uh... I mean, if we're going to jump in, like, I mean, I guess I mean, we can just we can touch on mention, it. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I had interpreted it as like, cause he, baby Katie mm-hmm. had mentioned that it was the aliens mission. Yeah. So like I had assumed that he was making it so the new guy at the Seraphim would kind of bring over more, uh, mm. alien people things. They did touch on the new guy at the Seraphim and yeah. I, I, think I might have like been looking down at that one split <laughs> second they showed him. But was it that they were programming something on the Seraphim? It looked like something it looked like it wasn't the Seraphim. Um, uh, they were cha- they changed its course. Um mm. so like he was interacting with Ben and uh Ben was like, Hey, slight course correction from Earth. Um mm. you'll be going towards Earth just for a short while. Oh, uh, okay. Um so I assume it was just kind of like putting him in the solar flare um, range, so mm. that they can come. I over. don't know. Yeah, they can come over. That's interesting. He's a bridge. Oh man, yeah. Um, well, but just yeah, just to touch on that. So it did have a mission, right? And the, the, everything was happening for a reason, which was a, an actual nice revelation to see that you know they're just not that this alien in particular just isn't coming just to be like some kind of Damien child. That, yeah disrupts the world and Ethan has to come and so Charlie <laughs> unfortunately well maybe we don't know Charlie's prediction might still come true before the end of the episode or yeah. season but yeah but Sparks and the alien how did you feel about that how did you feel about them using Katie and then Sparks' wife coming in as well yeah. and being convinced of this um, I thought it made the alien seem like super super intelligent Mm -hmm. because like it really knows how to manipulate people's emotions and it really knows how to make people do what they want like Mm -hmm. every time that sparks would kind of resist um baby katie would go well if you don't do this you know you'll never see me again um which was an amazing tactic yeah um because it essentially hooked him in hook line and sinker and he even managed to bring in his wife which was like his only the only missing piece that kept him uh, I guess still a non-believer, mm-hmm. like his regular human brain. Yeah, I mean, I, I did think the weird sweetness that he had kind of threw me off a bit with Sparks. Yeah. I was like, mm, why is he so? And then I also, I guess, a big thing that bugged me outside of the fact that it was like some weird um, racial uh, stereotyping <laughs> with uh, Esther. It, it was just that apparently. He's been coming to this cabin or this camp for years. Yeah. And Esther owns this cabin campground. Mm-hmm. But when they were first talking to each other, it didn't seem like they knew each other. It didn't seem like they had any history. Um, Did you feel like they had history? Uh, 
I mean, uh, I thought that they had a, a moment of reminiscing, just kind of like she was talking about how Katie used to run okay. around the campgrounds and stuff. Like, I mean, they weren't super, um, like familial, like they didn't yeah. like hug and, and smooch or anything, but, um. Okay. Yeah. I kind of just, maybe I missed, I missed that, but I just didn't feel like, I was like, this doesn't feel like people who know each other. And then when he straight up shot her in the gut, um, <laughs> I was like, all right. Yeah. Well, this is, um, that is that was a bummer. Horrible um, and predictable and sad. Yeah, um, I I felt bad because I just I really wanted her to just be the sweet, loving old lady. Yeah, just be um, a stereotypical black woman. Yeah, she didn't. She she could have just ran away. Like she didn't have to die. Yeah. Um, and it was it was it wasn't even shocking. Like like a death that is supposed to be shocking. Like yeah. oh my gosh, you know you don't expect her to die, but like. Um, it was, it made me sad. It, that's all it did is made me sad because yeah. I wanted her to live. She just, she wasn't even a part of this whole thing. And even the alien was kind of like, just go back in. Even the alien showed her Earl, Earl and Esther. First off, those names bug me, but, um, <laughs> even the alien was like, okay, we'll just go back into your office. It's no big deal. Yeah. You know, you're just seeing what you need to see. And then Sparks is to come out and wrestle the gun with her. And it's like, why do you, it's a shotgun. One, why do you even have to put your hand on the trigger? Like, you don't even have to put your hand on the trigger. She's right. already taken her hand off. So that was one of those things where it's, I, I see why they did it to, mm-hmm. to move the st- story forward. Because yeah. if they hadn't have done that, they wouldn't have gotten the cop. Right. But. Um, though, I mean, for, like, after, retrospectively, I guess, uh, mm-hmm. is the word I'm looking for. Uh, I feel like. Since the offspring can manipulate you into doing things um, while you're kind of in that dream state, because mm-hmm. um, when I when it first happened, I kind of thought that she may have pulled it on herself, mm. like it was like a "Hey, kill yourself" the same way I made these uh, soldiers kill each other. Yeah. Um, so it could also have been that, like not necessarily like Sparks wrestling it. And uh, I really think it was Sparks who did it. Yeah. I don't think it was the alien because. When the alien wants to kill you, there is no question about it. I mean, that just that's just about going back to its intelligence. Right. When it wants something dead, it dies. Yeah. And when it wants you to live or it doesn't really want to hurt you, then it gives you the image of somebody that you love. Mm-hmm. And it kind of just lures you away. And right. that's what it does. And so I really think it was... I mean, of course, I, it's an accident. But it was just... Sorry. I just read this article about accidents with guns and I was like well yeah never mind um, <laughs> it just it just wasn't necessary to move the story it wasn't necessary for the story for her to die right she could have been tied up and the police found her I mean the police was the cop was going to be there anyway yes because so, she had already made the call yeah so um, it wasn't necessary I agree um, yeah we you and I had made our, our, our sarcastic comments while we were watching just because yeah. like uh, but like you know again it's all just yeah. Things happen. Uh, she was an extra body for people to worry about. So yeah. it doesn't matter. Just get rid of her. That's fair. I mean, I guess she could... Well, no, it's better to have the cop. Speaking of the cop. Right. So we find out something really cool about the alien. I oh. mean, relatively cool that yeah. he can kind of just feed off you by programming you. Did you kind of get what the feeding part was? Um, I felt like it was essentially... Um, it was dream eating. Like it was, um, hmm. 
essentially putting them in a trans trans transitive nope a trance state trance like um and feeding off maybe like their brain matter or hmm. just like all of their neurosynapses and stuff like that um i cuz essentially it when it was building its strength it was building its its um its ability to control minds mm-hmm. and so i imagine it needed whatever neuro gray matter to do that or like psychic energy something like that because hmm. it it affected molly differently from how it affected th- the two other guys it made them aggressive and it kind of also just seemed like it made them robotic so right. they were just kind of doing what they need to do whereas mm-hmm. with molly and maybe that goes back to it feeding off of them so that it could put molly in this more trance-like state right uh, with molly it was more of a She's just kind of sleepwalking through what she thinks she's seeing. Yeah. And I felt like with them, they were very much aware of their surroundings and what was going on mm-hmm. and more like Terminators. Yeah. So, I don't know. And I thought that was an interesting uh, way of phrasing it, calling it a feeding. Yeah. And I, I hope that they explain that a little bit more. Well, uh, my assumption is that because we know that the offspring was born of a spore like mm-hmm. um entity mm-hmm. uh and we know that the spore also attaches to your brain and that's how you see the images mm-hmm. um so i'm assuming that like once it gets inside of you that is the feeding part and so then it goes back to the to nourish the human part of the body but sparks did say that it has two feedings so right. he said it feeds the human side with food mm-hmm. and then the other side is fed with the brain sucking thing. Right. So I don't, I mean, I would just like them to touch on it more as, as to how it goes about it. Yeah. If they had showed me the alien, maybe mm-hmm. I would understand what's going on. Show me the show alien. Show me the alien. <laughs> Anyways. Um, but yeah, so, and, and to just to, to move a little bit forward with, um, with Molly. So she does finally get to her, her baby, yes. essentially. Mm-hmm. It's very interesting how they did it. I mean, that, she doesn't actually interact with the, the alien baby, but she gets to see what could have been. Right. You want to explain a little bit about that? Um, yes. So essentially, since we had already seen the uh, the aftermath of her accident, we got to see essentially an alternate past yeah. where uh, she wakes up in the hospital and Sam is there comforting her, telling her that Marcus is still alive mm-hmm. and her baby survived. And then she gets to walk up and see her happy, healthy little baby boy and she interacts with it and, you know, tickles and giggles and all that stuff. Um, and then in the midst of her dream state, uh, ben, the voice of Ben, the computer mm-hmm. that uh, manages the space station, comes on and uh, ma- tells her that in order to save her baby, which was going into like a respiratory mm-hmm. uh, failure, uh, she would have to input her access codes and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So that was uh, a... a uh, what do they call that? Me doing my fingers like this doesn't help you at all. Um, <laughs> yes, it was like a crossover <laughs> oh, okay, um, yeah. of the two worlds mm-hmm. in that it used Maybe. her doing that in the dream in order to uh, do it in the real world. Yeah. I mean, that was that was crafty, and we kind of touched on that already with yeah. the, the Seraphim, but... Um, I guess I guess the whole point that she didn't meet the baby this episode is because we still have three more episodes and right. maybe they are going to meet later down the line. But we did 
unfortunately, fortunately lose a cast member as well. Yeah. With well, um, I mean, we don't know if he's completely dead yet. Cracker? Yeah. Dude is I mean, dead. Dead as shot. a doorknob. No, he hit his whole dramatic like, oh, don't let them change you, whatever whatever he said. And uh-huh. he just, uh, and just dies. He did the, he did the little like. <laughs> right. But like. Sorry. I don't know if that doesn't really work for the podcast <laughs> people, but everyone. Um, <laughs> for anyone who's listening, she's doing a uh, wonderful Krager impression. The death. Um, with the, the stutter breaths <laughs> yes. and all of the, yeah. <laughs> the horrible way you die on television. <laughs> Cause everyone needs to know that you're dead. And yeah. so you give that like, uh, I'm dead <laughs> thing. And it's great. It's so sad. It's such a, when I saw it, I was like, at least that was better than the one in Dark Knight Rises when uh, uh, Marion Cantillard dies. Oh. Just, oh, I love you, Marion Cantillard, but that was bad. It's yeah. like, <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Okay. Enough of that. Um, um, but I mean, I think that they're going to, I mean, not to jump into mm-hmm. predictions, but I don't, I don't know if he's necessarily dead, dead. I'm pretty um, sure he's dead, dead. But uh, if he is, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm kind of glad because his character um, had reached uh, a point of one notedness where mm-hmm. it's just like, got to kill that baby, got to kill that baby, got to kill that baby. <laughs> and it was, yeah. and it, he wasn't growing from that point on. Um, yeah. So now he can kind of serve as, uh, I don't know, a, a, a jumping off point for them to be like, oh, maybe things are dangerous. Mm-hmm. Um, but... It, it it added a nice little bit of drama. It was a nice way to wrap things up. I suppose. I was ready for Krager to die. Uh, <laughs> that sounds awful. But it just got to that point where I felt like he was becoming one note. And he wasn't really serving anything anymore. And I also wanted to be like, why does he still have these bruises on his face from like three weeks ago? <laughs> uh, so for me, I kind of thought... It was either going to be him or Kern because Kern was trying to, kind of getting like a little whiny because he was going into um, withdrawal after right. what, like one day of not having Absol or Ab- Absalom or whatever mm-hmm. it's called. Absalom. Um, so I, I kind of think it's the, the appropriate time to wrap both of those characters up. I'm right. sure Kern will have a little bit more, but um, though I did love their like buddy cop ness uh, <laughs> this episode. Like that was so. Fun, just having them <laughs> playing off each other and being like, "All right, it's time to be a cop," <laughs> and they go into the thing, and uh, it was it was fun. You have to admit that it was fun. Um, uh, you, I guess you don't have to admit, but it was fun. I think the most fun I had this episode is when the cop shot that robot like it was a Dalek, <laughs> yeah. and I was like, "Oh, it just blew up like a Dalek!" Like, but there's no like nobody responded to all this debris flying up in the air. I mean, it blew up. Right. He shot it three times, and then it went red, and it blew up. Yeah. And so that was the most fun I had. Um, I, I like that uh, <laughs> his deputy uh, acted like it's something that he I does every other day, um, which is great, because I like to... I want a, a whole side story about this sheriff walking around <laughs> killing robots, um, and then at the end... He comes back and he's the one who destroys Charlie's uh, robot army. It's just that one sheriff. Yes. Um, that would be great. That would be. That would actually be really great comedy. Maybe uh. they'll do that for us. <laughs> Writers, please, take note. Please do it for us. We uh. know he already shot the whole scene. <laughs> but, um, but yeah. So I see why you like the buddy buddy. I don't think 
I just don't think Kern and Krieger. Haha. Oh, that could be a buddy cop name. Yeah. I don't think they have that much chemistry. Um, I, I disagree because it's like the, it's, it's when a really crazy person meets a super duper stern, stern Kern. Ah. Ah. Um, so like they're opposing because even their, their motivations are opposing. So Mm -hmm. you get to see them bicker. And whatnot. I mean, it wasn't as wild and crazy, but you you got to know like who you know this Kern's the straight man, and uh, and Krager is the uh, wild card, and you got mm-hmm. to see them play off of each other in a way that I felt was satisfying. Mm-hmm. Um, as, I, like I would I would watch a spinoff with Krager and Kern. KK. Wow. Well, that'd be so boring. But um, <laughs> come me. on, solving mysteries, I tracking suppose. cars. I Dented. suppose. Yeah. Probably not. But speaking of partnering and buddy cop, just to do a little shout out for iTunes, I'm just going to pull that oh, out yeah. of thin air and just say, we really, really love it when you guys check us out on the iTunes, mm-hmm. uh, our podcast. Um, After Buzz is, is a wonderful company and I don't really know how, what else to say. You just, you just um, go ahead and break in for that. Oh, them. yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, uh, Essentially, you can be our buddy by yeah. going on iTunes and slapping us with a five-star rating. Yeah. Um, I mean, essentially, it helps our producers and uh, everyone above us know that we're doing a good job. If we're not doing a good job, let us know in the comments. Um, and essentially, if you keep tuning in and keep uh, rating and commenting, uh, we can produce more shows like this. I mean, we do over 70 shows a week. Uh, just for you, and they're all free. So uh, mm-hmm. the only thing that we ask of you is that you interact with us, which is fun. We love reading your comments, and we love uh, seeing our ratings, and that you guys love that the show is a thing. Yeah, so subscribe on iTunes. And we also we look at YouTube as well. I check out yeah. the YouTube channel and kind of see what's going on there. So subscribe to After Buzz on YouTube as well. Yeah, that Tari mm-hmm. Miller responding to your comments is actually me. Yeah, that Adrian Snow responding to your Twitter, that's actually me. Yeah. And and YouTube as well. Yeah. <laughs> and iTunes as well. Mm-hmm. So. Awesome. Uh, so you know what to do. Do it. Uh, do it. And- Anyways, so just jumping off from there, I just wanted to throw that out. But moving on to Yasumoto mm-hmm. and John. Is it bad that I say? Whatever. Yasumoto and John. So yes. what did you think of that whole spin where they, they, they lure him, lure John into Yasumoto's layer. Um, I thought it was, it was, it was interesting, mostly because, um, I, I get why John would go there. Mm-hmm. Like he, I mean, essentially, Yasumoto does have, have all these resources and there's no one else that he could turn to. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just the fact that he becomes this, this essentially passive, passive prisoner, um, was so funny to me like everything that he did like all these these guys would be like nah i don't think it's a good idea for you to leave yeah. and he's just like oh okay yeah well you know Goran vishnik is such a wonderful actor like i really love watching him i remember watching practical magic as a kid and being like who is that he is just gorgeous and yeah he's just fascinating to watch so it's kind of sad to see him on this and see him be underused that they just don't really, they kind of just, he's not even really gullible. They just don't know what to do with him. It's just kind of like, oh, I could come help you. No, stay where you're at. Oh, I kind of want to leave. 
no, I don't think it's a good idea. And this is like his storyline throughout. It's just he never has anything fun to do. So by the end of the season, he better do something crazy. I'm sure I mean, he, he better will. lead a rebellion or something. This yeah. is ridiculous. He's going to be the leader of Charlie's Ethan <laughs> army. Yes. The war. The war. Oh, man. Um, well, I feel like he does a really good job with what he has, though. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, you actually feel, or at least I feel for him, and I, I feel what he's feeling. Because, I mean, I wouldn't know what to do if I were in his in his place. And yeah. even if he were to leave, like, he has no other way of figuring things out. So, I mean, he's essentially, he's trying to do what's best for his family and it's, there's nothing he can do because he's, he's this massive outlier mm-hmm. in this whole thing. I mean, uh, I'll get into this with the predictions, but like, I think that going forward, he's really going to have a bigger role. What with the whole, uh, Ethan thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, he's so uninformed. The fact that he doesn't know about Yasumoto yet, it's just, it drives me crazy. Yeah. And so I, it was nice to see that kindly, kind of finally converge. Sorry, that was weird. I just made up a word. <laughs> finally converge that you know, Yasumoto had to kind of admit to to having some knowledge. Yeah, you know, and saying, "Well, I, Molly and I discussed this, so she's going to go after the baby." Mm-hmm. And it was nice to see everyone kind of meet up in that house. And so you you have Miss Dodd, and you have Odin, and Ethan, and yeah. Julie, but. I really do want them to do more with John. Right. And I finally, I think we're going to finally get the explanation on Yasumoto being like an ancient man next episode. So I'm I hope so. That. I saw him with all gray hair in the preview. That's just, that's jumping <laughs> for it. But I was really excited. Um, I, my favorite part about that whole John Yasumoto thing is just when they're both sitting in the same room, um, speaking in their accents. And I'm just like, accents! <laughs> um, yes. It was great. Uh, I don't know why I found it so great, but it was just like, no one in this room is American. <laughs> yeah. Um, and if you, if you include Odin in that, yeah. Yeah. Actually, yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. Speaking of Odin. Odin. I had this one moment where I was watching it and Odin smirked and I was like, dang, I would fall for that too. As, <laughs> as Ethan, as Julie, even John was like, Odin's great. Yeah, it was something. Something in that smirk. I was he's, like, he's a charmer. I would. I would fall for that too. I'd just be blinded. But he's not a good guy. No. And we had this kind of confirmed. We still don't really know his motives. But yeah. we had a. Do you want to touch on that a little bit? Um. Yeah. So like we we enter in uh, with him and Ethan essentially kind of just joking around. Um, and he finds a way of relating to Ethan by showing Ethan his, his arm and that yeah. it's fake and that they're both, uh, part, uh, part robot. Part android. Yeah. Um, which leads him into all these war stories and he's endearing himself to Ethan. Mm-hmm. Um, and he flips out a butane lighter mm-hmm. and starts showing Ethan that he can't be burned by it. Uh, which, starts a, a little bit of intrigue in Ethan's mind about uh, w- essentially what he's been w- what he's been told as opposed to the realities of what his body is. Yeah. Um, John originally told him that he can't touch hot things or it'll overload his sensors and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But Odin starts to make him question everything about what John has told him. Yeah, that was really messed up. <laughs> I, I mean, I just remember thinking 
I didn't think that's if if Odom was going to do anything. I didn't think that's how he was going to play it. But the yeah. fact that he kind of went in and and turned Ethan against John and mm-hmm. did it so quickly, I was yeah. kind of shocked. Um, so that was a very interesting twist on it. But I still don't really know what what is if now if he actually has Ethan. Yeah. What what they're going to do? What their intentions are? Yeah. Well, I like for me. The the most puzzling part about it is if you're super anti-technology, which is what his cult is, is like an anti-tech cult. Yeah. Why would you convince this robot that it's indestructible? Why would you make it aware that it's better than humans? Maybe. I. You see, I don't know now. I don't know what their cult really is. It seemed like they were about destroying. I don't know how they're going to use it. Yeah. If they're going to just destroy them or if they're going to try and use it to some intention. And they right. also don't really understand, like, what Dodd's intention is as well. Yeah. So I, I, I think next episode, I hope that's more of the focus that they go with. with right. That. Well, but, but now they have him. So that was that was pretty stupid on John's part and sly on Odin's part. Yeah. And smart on Dodd's part because you saw Ethan leave and probably called Odin's like, he's out of your way. Grab him now. Yeah. But, um, so just going off of that, shall we go into prediction? Well, yes, we shall. Yeah. And now, you're after Buzz TV. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, Tori, what do you think for next week? For next week, um, I think that we're going to have a lot more, uh, John. He's mm-hmm. going to find out that Ethan's been taken, and then he's going to go on his own baby hunt. Um, so it's going to be John trying to find Ethan and them dig- digging into Odin's group and mm-hmm. figuring out what their deal is. So I'm hoping that we really figure out what his motives are. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yes, I hope that Ethan becomes awesome. Oh, yeah. okay. I think, I hope next episode they kind of focus away from the baby. It's not because I don't the alien baby. It's not because right. I don't want to see the alien baby, but I kind of want them to just start wrapping stuff up because it is coming up to the end of the season. Yeah. So maybe focusing more on, on Yasumoto and mm-hmm. focusing a little bit more on the Ethan story and focusing more on John yeah. and just kind of playing off of those things and we can come back to the baby the next episode. So that's right. kind of my focus is that the, the side, stories, side stories start to get wrapped up. Mm-hmm. And so hopefully that's what they'll do. And it won't be a two-hour-long episode next week. We're back to an hour. So that'll be nice as well. Sorry uh, to admit, but yes. No, I mean... <laughs> it's a little bit easier yeah, to digest. It'll give you, like, a little more room to breathe and, yeah. and think about it and stuff like that. Exactly. Um, the cliffhangers will will hit a little bit harder. Exactly. Yeah. So, Tori, where can they catch you on the social media? Ah, well, uh, you can catch me on Twitter at Tari J. That's T-A-U-R-I-J-A-Y. Uh, you can also catch me on the Sword Art Online panel on Sundays, the Legend of Korra panel on Sundays, and this one. Yep. Adrian? And, yes, you can catch me on Twitter and Instagram at Miss Adrian Snow. That's M-S-A-D-R-I-A-N. Snow like Jon Snow. And I'm also will be on, hopefully, the Grace Point panel this fall. So I think that wraps it up for Extant tonight. Thank you so much for tuning in. And I have a catchphrase as well (laughs) for all you Jonathan Landis fans. See you next Wednesday. See ya. From executive producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. 
To watch or listen to other after shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Buzz you later. The views expressed herein are those of the host only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.